Everyone loves old-time radio, TV, movies, and serials and more, and cartoons, but everybody thinks it is for older people. Well, here's my grandson. Hey, kids. I like old-time radio because it allows me to use my imagination. We've talked a lot about imagination. It's not just for the young. It's for older people, too, to either get it again or keep it going. These shows can be a great source of family fun. My grandpa, Dennis, and me watch old movies and TV shows. My favorite is Batman and the Incredible Hulk. On August the 1st, I'll be taking a break to think and recharge. Now is the time to get one or all of the collections that I have available. Go to oldtimeradiodvd.com today. You'll be glad you did. From the files of the Victoria Police Department, for the first time, come these true stories of unceasing war against crime, of day and night vigilance that protects our life and our property, and of the nerve center that is the Police Information Bureau, D-24. D-24, D-24, calling cars 2, 3, 5, 6, and 8. Cars 2, 3, 5, 6, and 8. Be on the lookout for arson suspect, Edward Atkinson. Age 24, 5 feet 8 inches tall, brown hair, brown eyes. Last seen wearing a dark grey suit. This man is not to be questioned. Over. another authentic case from the files of the Victoria Police, presented exactly the way it happened, although names, place names and dates have been altered. This case, one of the most puzzling on record, is the story of a man not only returning to the scene of his crime, but actually repeating it in every detail. A night early in January 1942. As the hour approaches midnight, a faint glow is seen through the windows of a large engineering firm in South Melbourne. The glow becomes brighter. Suddenly, tongues of flame lick hungrily skyward. In a matter of seconds, one section of the huge factory is enveloped. All right, get those hoses connected. Come it over, Tom! Swing the ladder over this way. We've got to stop it from spreading. Number one hose is right, Mac. Open her up. The fire is gradually brought under control. And the fire brigade reports it to the South Melbourne police station, 
And senior detective Gibson hurries to investigate. At the Blackened Engineering Works, he confers with the district fire officer. Uh, must have been a beauty. Did she give you much trouble? A bit. Mm. This section's completely gutted. Fair amount of damage. The manager estimates about four to five thousand pounds. Any idea of where the fire started or how? Well, I'm tipping these tins had something to do with it. Mm. Yeah. Few of them are bad. Did the manager say what they're used for? Oh, here he comes now. You can ask him. Uh, Mr. Greenwood, this is Detective Gibson from the police. Uh, Mr. Greenwood. Oh, very glad to see you, sir. Oh, hi, Mr. Greenwood. Shocking piece of work, this. You think the fire was deliberately set, Mr. Greenwood? Well, it's, uh, it's not for me to say, is it? What about these tins? There's a good number of them about. Could they have contained anything uh, inflammable? Well, if they're what I think they are, they most certainly did contain inflammable material, Mr. Gibson. Dash things have no business being in this department. Duco spraying's on the other side of the building. Duco, eh? I suppose that's as good as anything to start a fire with. Better than most, I'd say. But why would anyone want to burn the plant down? Oh, out of sheer meanness, revenge, or uh, what's most likely to cover up. I look at it this way, Mr. Greenwood. If someone merely wanted to set the factory on fire, they'd have started the fire on the other side, where the paint spraying's done. Why go to the bother of carting tins of paint over here, unless this particular part is the part they want to burn? But why should someone want to set fire to this section? I suggest that something might be missing here, some machinery, perhaps. Machinery? That's all here. Look at it. Shock. Hmm. Certainly a mess, all right. Anything else that might be missing? Tools, possibly. I have the plant inventory. I was about to check it against... Well, that's odd. What is? There aren't any tools about. Machine tools. There aren't any anywhere. Yes, a further check disclosed that a large quantity of machine tools, valued at nearly a thousand pounds, was missing. Detective Gibson immediately telephoned D24. Photographers and fingerprint experts were sent out, together with three more detectives, to assist in the investigation. Their first problem was to determine how the thieves got into the premises. You checked the doors, did you, Wiley? Yes, sir, and all the windows that weren't burnt. No sign that any of them have been tampered with. Then these skylights must be the answer. They've been over these skylights? Just this minute finished the last one. There's not the sign of a clue anywhere. But whoever did it must have got in through one of these. They open easily enough. Yeah. Well, you get them to go over the insides carefully. Oh, they're one ahead of you, Mr. Gibson. They've been over the insides. They're clean, too. You can have the boys try again if you'd like. Don't bother. If there were anything there, I should think they'd have found it the first time. What's your theory, Mr. Gibson? Well, it looks to me as if it might be an inside job. One of the company's workmen might have hidden somewhere on the premises. Then later on, after everyone had gone, he opens the skylight and lets his confederates in. 
Uh, no traces on the skylights kills that theory, though. Oh, I wouldn't say that, sir. There's nothing to show that thieves broke in. Unless they had a key to one of the locks, it had to be an inside job. If whoever started the fire stole the tools, it needn't have been the same person at all. It might be that after the fire, some sneak thief saw his chance and took it. Well, then, who started the fire? An employee? Someone with a grudge against the company, perhaps? Let's have another talk with Mr. Greenwood. The position's this, Mr. Greenwood. One of your employees might have remained behind after closing time last night. Perhaps he hid himself. And then, when he thought it was safe, he set the place ablaze and escaped. With the tools? Uh, not necessarily. Mr. Greenwood, have you or have you had at any time some employee who was not um, happy with his job? Uh, sorehead, short-tempered, perhaps? Uh, no, as far as I know, all our employees are reasonably well satisfied. I can't recall a case of actual dissatisfaction in the past, either. Could it possibly have come to some other man's attention and not have been passed on to you? Our shop foreman, perhaps. But he's fairly new. Been with us only a few weeks. Huh? What happened to the last one? Oh, he left our employ. Why? Oh, usual reason. Some other company offered him more money. Mr. Greenwood, I'm convinced this was an inside job. I'm afraid we'll have to question your employers. All of them? All of them. Tell me, Joe, you like working here? Ah, oh, it's a job. Any complaints? There's something about the company you don't like? No complaints. Where were you about uh, half past eleven, quarter to twelve on Monday night? Well, if I'd had any good sense, I'd have been in bed. I lost 30 shillings with the boys at poker. How long have you been with the company? Uh, five years next June. And I didn't go starting any fires. I know what side my bread's buttered on. You're new, aren't you? Yeah. How'd you happen to take a job here? They advertised. And you're satisfied with wages? Conditions and so forth? If I wasn't, I'd quit. Could you tell us where you were shortly before midnight on Monday? Probably walking the baby. It's a boy. Haven't had a decent night's sleep for weeks. And so the questioning went on. The police interviewed every employee of the factory. Checked on those who'd left the company as far back as 18 months before. The number of persons questioned ran into hundreds. Alibis were double-checked and found to be in order. The police learned nothing which would tend to incriminate any member or former member of the staff in any way. So they decided to tackle the case from a different angle. Well, boys, despite the fact that we've drawn a blank, I still feel it was an inside job. Yeah, I think you're right, sir. One of the men we interviewed knows more than he's told us. However, we'll have to try it from the outside. Uh, try to find someone who saw the thieves? If possible. But meanwhile, there are the stolen goods themselves. Now, a thousand pounds worth of machine tools don't just vanish into thin air. Here are details of the missing tools. Serial numbers in some cases. Oh, thanks, sir. We'll cover all possible avenues of disposal. Begin with the ones we suspect as being possible receivers of stolen goods and work up to the more reputable. Mm. 
That's a big job, Mr. Gibson. Don't I know it. But it looks like our only chance. Here you are. Here are your lists. Now hop to it, boys. Good day, Charlie. Remember me? Uh, you're from the police. Is something wrong? I don't think so. Mind if I look round? No, why should I? Charlie, I'm looking for some machine tools. Have you any in stock? Uh -huh. Some fine carpentering tools. Well, they do. A nice plane, any number of saws, a few levels. Cut it, Charlie. I'm after machine tools. Free to have the machine tool in the place. The police visited hundreds of places in the course of their inquiries, but always received the same reply. The department's property tracing section circulated a description of the missing tools throughout the state and in other states as well. But no clues were forthcoming. To all intents and purposes, a thousand pounds worth of machine tools had vanished. And then one night a few weeks later, at approximately half past eleven, a window at the engineering works is raised cautiously. Station. Hello. You pick it out here straight away. The big engineering works. It's on fire. Yes, the engineering works was once more ablaze. It had been set on fire exactly as before with tins of duco. And again, more machine tools were missing. For the second time, the engineering works in South Melbourne had been set on fire. Early the next morning, the police began another exhaustive investigation. Well, Mr. Greenwood, what's the verdict? Well, not quite as many tools missing as last time. Just under 800 pounds worth. 800 pounds worth of machine tools. A thousand the time before. Same story on the windows and doors, Mr. Gibson. Nothing. What about in this burn section? Well, it's hard to tell. We've covered the place, including the skylights. Hmm. I can read the answer in your face. Not a sign of anything. Confound it. These fires are happening. The tools are missing. Someone's getting away with it. They've got to be caught and punished. That's right, Mr. Greenwood. But until we get some sort of a lead... How bulky would the missing tools be this time? Would one man carry them off? Oh, if he made two trips, perhaps. I should say they could be packed into two small crates. Could they be hidden elsewhere on the premises? Oh, it isn't very likely. Well, suppose we make a search. 
But painstaking search revealed no missing tools. Once more, the detectives began the slow process of questioning employees, past and present, checking their movements on the night of the fire. The property tracing section of the department gave the fullest possible cooperation, but the stolen machine tools could not be located. Well, Mr. Gibson? I'm sorry, Mr. Greenwood. We've drawn a blank, a complete blank. That anyone could pull a job like this and get away with it once is unusual, but to, to do it twice in exactly the same way, well, it's a miracle. Well, my company doesn't like this sort of miracle. Now, we're not dropping the case by any means, Mr. Greenwood. The search for the missing tools will go on until we find them. But otherwise, the best we can do for you is to see that it doesn't occur again. A patrol car will check these premises at intervals day and night until further notice. Consistent with its other duties, a divisional patrol car maintains a 24-hour watch over the buildings. The times of inspection are varied each day. A month passes, two months, and then one night shortly after midnight, the phantom firebug strikes for a third time. But this time, it's the cruising patrol car which turns in the alarm. The fire is brought under control much more quickly. Won't be as much damage this time. I hope that means there'll be something more in the way of clues. Well, the boys are ready to go over the place with clues as soon as she cools down. That shouldn't be long. They're giving it a good soaking. Aye. Now, you, come here. Sorry, you'll have to stay back out of the way, fella. You from the police? That's right. Now, move back. That's a good chap. I'll move back all in good time. You're all in good time. I got some information. Yeah, that's it. I got some information for the police. Oh. Yeah, that's right. You're the police. You want this information? What information's that? This uh, battle's fire. Well, what about it? Well, now, just calm down. Be calm like me, always calm. Look, if you've got anything to tell me... Oh, I, uh, I want to tell you about the man. Man? What man? The one on the motorbike. If you'll just listen and don't talk so much. All right, I'm listening. Uh, it was a man on the motorbike. He was sitting right down that little street, watching... Yeah, that's what he was doing, watching. Watching what? Watching that. Only there was nothing to watch. You mean there was a man on a motorbike parked in that side street before the fire started? Well, didn't I just say that? And what were you doing? I was watching him to see what he was watching. And all of a sudden, those jokers in the brass helmets came clanging in the ups and starts his motorbike, and away he goes. Only it wasn't a regular motorbike. What do you mean, not a regular motorbike? It had one of those sidecars on it. Sidecar? Was there anyone in the sidecar? No. If you'll give me your name, I... Oh, no. Oh, no. I was just watching. I'm just coming home from a party and watching. That's all. Now I've done my duty, I'm going home. The slightly tipsy gentleman would offer no further information. There was a man on a motorcycle watching the factory. When the fire brigade came, he left. To Detective Gibson, that just didn't make sense. Oh, confound it. The man's not going to steal 800 quid's worth of tools and then sit in the street on a motorbike waiting for the factory to go up in smoke. 
Unless you were using a fuse or something of that nature to start the fire. Well, there's no fuses or timing devices about. Only these darn duco tins again. Oh, maybe the duco itself was the fuse. See, he leaves a, a trail of paint. Up she goes. Where does the trail go, Wiley? Onto one of these windows. He lights the paint, closes the window behind him, and off he hops on his motorbike. Yeah. That leaves just three things to explain. Why we didn't find a duco tin near a window or on the ground outside. Why all the windows were still locked. And how he got in in the first place. Well, he could throw the tin back in the middle of the floor with the others. The other times the windows were all burnt. Hey, Mr. Gibson. Hello. Up above you. See the skylight? Yeah. This looks like the lead we've been looking for. How good is it? Very good. And it's on the outside. Well, there's your third answer, Mr. Gibson. He or they got in through the skylight. Detective Wiley's reconstruction of the crime was given further credence when a searching examination of the charred window frames revealed that one window in the fired area was unlocked. Good morning, Mr. Greenwood. Good morning. Well, we've got something to go on this time. A fingerprint, an unlocked window, and a witness who may have seen the man responsible. Oh, thank heaven for that. If this keeps up, we'll be ruined. I mean, we're insured, but this is crippling our production. Yes, of course. Now, uh, have you checked the missing tools, Mr. Greenwood? Nearly a thousand pounds worth gone again. Right, we'll get property tracing onto it. But uh, meanwhile, we'll want to question the staff. Again? I'm afraid so. I want to find out how many, if any, own motorbikes. Especially those who own motorbikes with a sidecar. You own a motorbike? No. Do you know any of the others who do? Maybe Atkinson. And Eddie isn't here this morning. Was it? Oh, Atkinson phoned the shop foreman early this morning. He isn't feeling well. Said he was going to spend the day in bed. Hmm. Any of the other employees absent from work today? Mm, not as far as I know. Tell me, has Eddie Atkinson's motorbike a sidecar? Now, let me think. Uh... Yeah, yeah, one day at lunchtime he had a sidecar hooked up. Thanks. If you'll give us Atkinson's address, Mr. Greenwood, I think we'll pay the sick man a visit. Yes? Oh, good morning. We're, uh, we're looking for Eddie Atkinson. Does he live here? Why, yes. Could we see him, please? I'm sorry. He isn't in just now. I'm his mother. Could I help you? Mrs. Atkinson, where from the police? Police? Is anything wrong? Oh, just routine. There was a fire last night at the plant where your son works. We're having a word with all the employees, trying to get a line on what happened. Oh, I'm so sorry Eddie can't help you. He had the day off today and he's gone to the pictures. He had the day off? Yes. Some holiday for working back at night or something of the sort. Oh, I see. Uh, Mrs. Atkinson, have you any idea which theatre we might have gone to? No, I haven't. I suppose it'd be to one of the city shows. Oh, yes, yes, of course. They'd be the only ones open this morning. It's rather important that we get in touch with your son. I, uh, I wonder if, if you have a photo of him about the house. 
Yes, I have, If but you don't uh, mind, Mrs. Atkinson, it'll help us to locate him more quickly. D-24 calling cars 2, 3, 5, 6 and 8. Cars 2, 3, 5, 6 and 8. Be on the lookout for arson suspect Edward Atkinson, age 24, 5 feet 8 inches tall, brown hair, brown eyes. Last seen wearing a dark grey suit. This man is not to be questioned. He's thought to be attending a city picture theatre. Over. And so the search is on. Patrol cars are alerted and detectives canvass the city theatres. Mr. E. Atkinson, please call at the manager's office. Hmm. I wonder, is that going to bring him out? I think so. So far as he's aware, his mother is the only one who knows he's at the picture show. Curiosity should bring him out, if nothing else. That's if he actually went to the pictures. No one showed up at the other theatre. Well, if we don't get any response this time... Hey, Wiley. Somebody's coming. Yes. That's Atkinson. Mr. Atkinson? That's right. Police here. We want to talk to you. All right. So I lied to them. I wanted the day off. Is there any law against that? No, none whatsoever, but there are laws against theft and arson. If you mean the fires, I've got nothing to do with them. What kind of a country is this? Where you can get a bloke out of a picture theatre, ask him a lot of questions for no reason at all. Eddie, you own a motorbike and sidecar. So what? A man answering to your general description was seen leaving the works last night after the fire started. I still say, so what? It is all right, Mr Gibson. That fingerprint on the skylight checks with his. What about that, Eddie? Your fingerprint was on the skylight. Yeah. Yeah, sure, I know when that happened. Yesterday, I climbed up to adjust the belt on my machine. I must have touched the skylight. Could be. But this print was found on the outside of the skylight. Looks like you're caught out, Eddie. Nothing for it, Eddie. What do you say now? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose I'd better come clean. All right, I did it. All three fires. I did it all by myself. Yes, Edward Atkinson had set all three fires. His method was simple. He entered through the skylight, gathered the machine tools in sugar bags, and opening a window, carried them to his waiting motorbike. After saturating that section of the plant with paint, he left a trail of paint to the open window, lit it, closed the window and made his escape. It was later disclosed that Atkinson set the fires to get even with the company because he had a grudge against the new shop foreman. Information from Atkinson led to the recovery of all three lots of machine tools 
and the arrest and conviction of two men for receiving stolen property. Atkinson himself was sentenced on three counts of theft and arson. But for the persistent efforts of the police, this unusual case might never have been solved. If the wireless patrol had not been on the alert, the fire might have made too much headway and the clue of the unlocked window possibly lost. After the discouragement of previous failures, the fingerprint men could have been just a fraction less painstaking and missed that one fingerprint, but they found it. The importance of the information concerning the parked motorcycle, however, is well worthy of a mention. That was the clue which enabled the police positively to get onto the right trail. As with this case, so with hundreds of others. You, the people of Victoria, are the link between the police and the criminal. By helping your police department wherever and whenever possible, you're helping them to serve you. The case you've just heard is true and was written for radio by Warren Grasser from facts supplied by the Victoria Police Department. Only names, place names and dates have been altered. And now this is Roland Strong reminding you to listen again next week for another authentic case in this series D24, which is produced in the studios of Hector Crawford Productions by Dorothy Crawford. Oh, oh, oh.